dare great things for Christ. Christ calls us to dare great things. In the marketplace, as well as in the mission field, there has never been a time like the present for the spirit of the Catholic entrepreneur. Now is the time for men and women of great courage and great vision to engage our church and our culture. Now is the time to dare great things. And here is your host as we dare great things, Father Nathan Cromley, the president and founder of the St. John Institute. The secret of a great leader comes from his strength. But where does his strength come from? Today, I'd like to reflect with you on St. Joseph, this incredible leader, and his quiet strength, which comes from a surprising source. It's not from the wherewithal of his will, but from, indeed, the mystery he contemplates. A leader is as strong as the depth of his contemplation. Everybody, I'm so glad to be with you again and to continue our meditation on St. Joseph. Now, in the past, I've developed looking at the different parts of his life, uh, different aspects of his leadership, but I've left out the heart of the mystery, which is, of course, the birth of the Son of God. And I would like to look at that moment in the life of Joseph as also a kind of summary and key for interpreting the rest of his life. And it's because, of course, this was and is the mystery that makes the rest of what Joseph lived make sense. After all, it was for the sake of this moment and this event that he was betrothed to Mary. And it was for the sake of this moment and this event that he did everything else that he did. And what's so astounding is that this moment of the birth of Christ into his arms is something he absolutely does not own. It's such a paradox that the greatest of leadership and the greatest summons that Christ, that God would have given to Joseph to lead this family be, be ensconced, right, in this mystery that he cannot possess. And it's so counterintuitive that I find that it's the wisdom we're looking for when we look for our own leadership. And so here's, I'd like to develop that with you. Let's go ahead and start, though, first of all, with a prayer. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Come, O Holy Spirit, Father of the poor, illumine the hearts of thy faithful, and enkindle in them the fire of thy love. Send forth thy spirit, and they shall be created, and thou shalt renew the face of the earth. Let us pray. O God, who didst instruct the hearts of thy faithful by the light of the Holy Spirit, grant us in the same spirit to be truly wise, and ever to rejoice in his consolation through the same Christ our Lord. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. All right, so if we go back over the life of Joseph, we see these different moments, right? We see Joseph who has chosen the Virgin Mary, Joseph who is warned in a dream to take her as his wife and accepts that summons to greatness. Joseph, who had to be meek in the, in the presence of the rejection 
uh, that he met with from the innkeeper and being put into the manger for the birth of his son. We saw Joseph, who the, the mystic, right, who's warned four times or spoken to in dreams, four different occasions being woken up. And every time he has to change the course of his life and do something dramatic. And then Joseph, who lived also in the, the, the daily grind of the, the, the monotony, the scene, the glory in the ordinary. And each one of those moments in the life of, of Joseph, God uses, right? And yet what unites all of these different mo moments, just like what unites our own life in our own great moments of glory and in our own persistence through the ordinary, is a mystery that's bigger than what Joseph could conjure up and what Joseph himself could dream of. His life is carried in a mystery that's bigger than him. Now, once again, this is where the Bible comes to be very concrete for us because uh, a, a lot of times, again, we say to ourselves, what does all this have to do with me? Well, my friends, you will be a leader to the degree that you come into touch with the fact that your leadership is not about you. I'll say that again. You'll become a leader to the degree that you realize that your leadership is not about you. Why? Because if you think it's all about you, when your energies come to their end, your leadership will come to its end. Or when your vision has run its course, your leadership will come to its end. And yet God wants, us to, wants to do something with us much greater than have our visions come to fruition and much greater than having our efforts come to a good conclusion. There's a good news here, and that's that when you are a leader in Christ, you are summoned to participate and bring about a mission and a vision that far exceeds your own. This means that for those who are up to daring this great thing for Christ, of actually putting their, everything that we got inside is going to be summoned upon. I remember when I, when I decided to become a priest, right? There were a lot of people that said, oh, little Father Nathan, you know, you, you have so many talents. You could do so many things in this world. Why would you want to throw them away and be a priest, right? So, and and I, could get, I get it, right? Because you think, gosh, he'd be so good at doing this or this or this, and he never will because of his priesthood. Well, I can tell you this. The moment that I chose to become a priest was the moment that I chose to become a father, and when you become a father and you, you, you take that ethical dimension into what you do, I mean, there is no limit. I mean, you can die for fatherhood. You can't die for a job, but you can die for fatherhood, meaning there's a mystery in your family that's bigger than you. And that mystery in your family that's bigger than you, it calls upon you to never quit. You'll be a father until the day that you pass from this earth. And, every, and until you pass every single moment of your life, you're going to have to recreate and, and, re, and move and pivot and think and give of yourself in a new way. Because that's what's so great about being a father. Is that you, you're not just at a job. You have a family. You're, you're now governing people. And people, <laughs> well, human life is a mystery that far transcends that of the workplace. I think this is what so many people, the very first beginnings of faith happen when people start to realize the greatness of their family and the calling that they have as members of a family. It, it, it's almost like you, you see this in it, the, the very first time in place where people start to really come close to God is with their kids. 
I remember talking one time to a, a, a foreman of a, of, a, of a roofing crew, and he was talk, talking to me about how in his life, the hardest gospel that he had, he, he loved God, he went to mass, he followed the teachings of the church, but there was just this one part of the gospel that was always too much for him. And it's where Jesus says, whoever loves wife or children more than me is not worthy of me. And, and, and it was very touching to see this dad, you know, a father of six, say that for him was, was really tough because, I mean, his kids were, were everything. And you see this in the same way when, when young people are called to religious life and you got the, the girl that wants to be a nun and, and what, what, why doesn't she follow? It's not because it's, she's scared of celibacy. It's because she's scared of breaking dad's heart. That's why. Family bonds are, are, are so deep and beautiful because they're the first place where a person grows into a mystery that's deeper than them. It's their roots. It's their connectedness. It's their seeing our, our identity as something that, that transcends us. And, and, and then those roots grow in a different way when we choose our spouse and we start to, to find in the heart of the other that infinite, that, 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 that mirror of the infinite that we're looking for. Yeah, I, I remember one time talking to this, this couple. It was so beautiful. And, and for some reason, they had to move. The husband had to work five hours away and only come home on the weekends. And I remember talking to them about how hard that was. And I said, are you thinking of moving? And the husband uh, said, well, you know, I, I don't want my wife to have to move. And the wife looked at her husband with this incredible look of love. And this blush kind of came to her cheek. And she, she just said, I'll go anywhere that he leads me. And there was this, this moment of such tenderness and love between the two of them. And it just bespeaks to so many moments that, that you have of intimacy with your spouse where you, you realize I'm made for more and I see that more in the eyes of this person whom I love. And there from your initial family to the choice of your spouse and that marital bond that's so powerful it can only be spoken of in silence there comes like this little this little messenger that says i'm made for something more and this in fact is found when we get to that contemplation which is the ultimate call of every human soul an encounter with the ocean who is god father nathan is producing an ongoing source of videos to form unite and inspire you and your family Go to eagleeyeministries.org, that's E-A-G-L-E-E-Y-E ministries.org, and subscribe to Eagle Eye Pro. Subscribe today. Encountering God is at the heart of who St. Joseph is. I mean, if you take a look at, and therefore at the heart of what leadership is, what made Joseph so incredible was that his leadership's perspective, the, the, the circumscription of his leadership, what he defined his leadership as was nothing short of leading the holy family on its pilgrimage on this earth. And that means leading the son of God to be able to accomplish his divine mission of pleasing the Father perfectly in all things and offering his body on the cross. That is quite a perspective. I mean, talk about responsibilities, right? We think it's a big deal to have to lead a, you know, a battalion of troops, you know, and that is a big deal, I agree, but like that's nothing 
compared to having to form the body of the Savior and give him over to the cross and to make sure that he was protected and fed and cared for and educated along the way to the point where that sacrifice would be as perfect as possible. Joseph took upon himself something that he could never, he could never do on his own. And that's what's so great about him. Leaders are men and women who dare the heights. And the greater the leader, the, the, the greater their ability and their capacity to aim for those heights and to hit them with all the energies of their soul. Why would you do anything else? I mean, I, I'm looking around here and I'm, and I'm thinking to myself, if only you could unleash those energies that are in you, what does God want from your life? Because if you look at your life just from the temporal perspective, you're looking at it from a limited point of view. And God did not call you into a leadership that was limited. He called you into leadership that's a share in the kingship of the Son of God and his ruling over this earth. Now, of course, that's exercised in limited ways. But at the same time, it's a mission that grips everything that we've got in us. What talents haven't you given to the King of Kings so that he could use you as his instrument? What more could you give what more is there inside of you? Why is it that, that you give the best of your life to things that are less than you when you could give the best of your life to things that are greater than you? Thomas Aquinas put it beautifully. He said this. He said, it is better to know things that are less than you rather than to love them. And it is better to love the things that are greater than you than to know them. And therein you find the call to contemplation. I have to, I have to realize that when I'm doing my business work, yeah, I got to know this stuff and I might not love it, but if I know it well, I'll execute it well. And that's good. And, and maybe I don't love it. And maybe that's good too, <laughs> frankly. Maybe it's really not worth the passions of your heart. But at the same time, when it comes to the mystery of God, it's just the opposite. I might not understand my faith. I might not have a deep knowledge of Christ such that I can speak of him in and out of season, but I do know this, I love him. And it is better for me to love him than to pretend to know him. When I do that, why is it better? Because what I love seizes me at a different level. It summons me more profoundly. It touches a part of me, well, that kind of like possesses me. I can possess what I know but I am possessed by what I love. I can possess what I know, but what I love possesses me. In other words, I serve what I love. And there's God saying, will you serve me? I forged you out of nothing because I loved you. Won't you serve me? When I came down to earth, I asked you to follow me so that you could teach and heal and proclaim and serve, and build, and lead the Holy Family, and do whatever mission I gave you to do. To some, there are apostles, then there are prophets, then there are healers, then there are teachers, then there are miracle workers. I mean, it's like there's all these different people, and each one of us has a different part to play, but the part that we play is a part of the, of the Christ who has come to save the world. 
And so do not tell me that your part is insignificant. Any part that you embrace with that love that grips you and that love that possesses you and drives you has a significance far beyond you. I, I, you don't have to understand it. You don't have to define it. You don't have to t teach about it. You just have to do it. And that's what made Joseph so great. Look, look at in his life. We, we see this, of course, you know, at the moment of the birth of his son. Uh, we talked about the angels coming, the shepherd, the magi. This is Luke chapter 2. She gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no place for them in the inn. This is uh, Luke 2, verse 7. That's, a, that's an absolutely amazing statement, right? Because there you see that, and she gave birth to her firstborn son. He's talking about the Virgin Mary. What about Joseph? <laughs> she said, and she gave birth to their firstborn son. Okay, so now here's Joseph, and he's been called to God to lead this family, and he doesn't even have the, the, the honor, right, of saying, and now she gave birth to my son, and Jesus is mine. Jesus is not his. He can't possess Jesus, right? He can't lay hands on him and say, this is bone of my bone, flesh of my flesh. This is my boy. Nope. It's a mystery that he's called into that's greater than him, that's been entrusted to him. And that means that in a very real sense, it, it, Joseph has to decrease so that Christ can increase. And, and how does he decrease? He decreases by serving that greater mystery in the darkness of faith of not having that, that bond that Mary had with Christ, of being able to say, indeed, this is my son, the fruit of my womb. He has to say in, in, other, in, in, in his own right, this is the son of God who's been given to me as my care. And, and, and I have to take charge of him. His leadership had to be exercised in such extreme poverty of heart. And that's what made him so great. I want you to think about your leadership. And I want you to think about your poverty of heart. You can dominate elements of your leadership that you need to be able to dominate. Of course, it's, it's never an either or. It's always a both in. But there's aspects of your leadership that you absolutely have to dominate. You have to be able to read those charts. You have to be able to deliver the message. You have to keep the mission and the vision of your organization alive and well and in front of your people. I get all of that. You need to. And you need to be able to have those techniques down and deal with your employees. Okay. But, <laughs> and here's the both and. While you have to do all of that, are you poor enough to not exclude the mystery from what you're doing? To not exclude from the mastery that you have of the competence of your leadership and the elements thereof. This mystery of a union with God that says, you are my beloved son, my beloved daughter, and I forged you out of nothing and I gave you this corner of the earth to govern in my name. And there's something I want to be done with this corner of the earth that you're working on in my name that, that I alone can accomplish through you. Not you, you can't accomplish it like Joseph didn't give birth to Jesus but was given this mystery that came and given and handed over to him so too, there's something that God will do with your life and with your leadership that's much bigger than you. Are you ready and willing to open yourself to the greatness of that mystery? That's what Joseph did. We're going to see a little bit more of that. I want to take a look at this more deeply. Father Nathan has founded the St. John Institute. 
the MBA program that develops students into the leaders of tomorrow by giving them a missionary's heart and an entrepreneur's mind. Visit our website at stjohninstitute.org. Dare great things for Christ. I'll give you the very first sign where Joseph's poverty over this, uh, as, he, as he lived out, his, his charge was, was, was shown. The, the very first place, verse 8, And in the same region there were shepherds in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. The angel of the Lord appeared to them. The glory of the Lord shone around them. And they were filled with fear. This is Luke 2, 8. The angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy, for be with all the people. And a Savior is born in the city of David. And behold, you will find this sign. A, a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. And what happens? Well, the shepherds, they go and they, and they, they pay them homage. This is verse 16. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. The very first thing Joseph has to do is, is accept in his leadership that his job, his task given by God is not for him alone. And that poverty of having to share his own relationship with his spouse and his relationship with his, with his son, right? But like the son of God that was given to him to protect is demonstrated by his openness to these shepherds. It's not just the shepherds, but then the magi. And not just the magi, but you and me. If you think of it, each one of us, thanks to Joseph opening his leadership, each one of us is now able to approach the Son of God as if he was ours. It's like the little children that come in the manger and they kneel down in front of the child Jesus and those little manger scenes at church. Joseph doesn't become a closed door. His leadership is an open door. But it's only an open door because he's able to say, this is bigger than me and my own heart. And in a very real way, Joseph lays down his own possessiveness, his own uh, rights of possession, so to speak, over this mystery. And by so doing, he opens himself like a bridge that other people can cross in order to encounter this mystery. Where is that shown in the concrete of our life? Are you poor enough in your leadership to let God do his work? And, and, and we're, I, I'm going to speak to you about the great Saint Homobinus. He's a saint that many people don't know about. Homobinus is the patron saint of the Catholic business person. Okay, so it's kind of neat. So a lot of you, it's H-O-M-O-B-O-N-U-S. Homo bonus, right? Homobinus. And Saint Homobinus is, is, is particularly uh, uh, praiseworthy, of course, because he was a wealthy, successful merchant. He lived in the 13th century in Italy. And there he, he did many good things. He, he uh, was successful and gave his money to the poor. And, and therein he's a great model for us. He used his leadership as a place of success that would then benefit and open himself to the needs of others. And he was known throughout the, the land for his generosity and his kindness to the poor. And what happened with Hermobinus? Well, every day he would pray. His secret was found in going to Holy Mass. You see, the greatness of his leadership was commensurate with his humility before God. Joseph's greatness in his leadership was commensurate with the fact that he was possessed by the Son of God in a sense of that the love that Christ called from him, he gave beyond understanding. The angels didn't appear to him first. The angels didn't ask his permission. 
The Virgin Mary didn't ask his permission. I mean, you know what I mean? Like the Virgin Mary gave birth up to her son. God was doing his mystery through Joseph's humility. And Joseph was called to be there day in and day out and not possess and not claim for his own the successes that he was able to make happen by his humility. He humbly did the task that was in front of him. He didn't possess it in the sense of a knowledge and an understanding, but he served with his heart. And that's exactly what Hamabinus did. Saint Hamabinus would do this good deeds to the poor, and it was because of his faith in the Eucharist and the faith of Mass. True story about Saint Hamabinus is that at the end of his life, he was at Mass like he normally was, and they started singing the Gloria. And Hamabinus laid prostrate on the ground. So this has been in the days that pews were not yet, you know, the norm in churches. You'd have open spaces. And so mass was taking place. They start to sing the glory and Hamabinus lays flat in his face and he spreads his arms out in the shape of a cross on the, on the ground. So obviously people around him were like, that's the holy man Hamabinus. He's really holy. So he does these things, you know, and then he never got up. So the Gloria comes to its end. There's the collect. They're into the readings. Mass is going on. The people go over and they kind of nudge him a little bit. He doesn't move. In fact, Hamabinus had died. His arms in the shape of the cross, his head on the ground, lost in the contemplation of the glory of God. He died. And, and, and I just love that image because I see in him every one of you. The more that I am lost in the glory of God, and the more that I dare to raise my height, my, my heart to the heights of his mystery for me, the more steadfast, earnest, and open I will be to his workings through my leadership. Why should I just be someone who's running in a secular business environment? Why? I'm a Christian in a secular business environment. I'm not saying that I have to proclaim Christ out loud and do all kinds of religious things, but by the persuasive force of my character and the openness of my heart and the steadfast responsibility with which I approach my daily tasks, I bear witness to the Savior of the world. And I bring his light into their hearts by my care for them and by my attitude. I actually bring, I might not speak it, but I bring it every day in who I am. It takes great humility to be constant. And that constancy is what Christ is calling us to. Leaders who are consistently lost in God. And my friends, there's no other way to do it than by prayer. You can't fake holiness. <laughs> but here's what you can do. I call it the 22 seconds. I'd love it for someone to, who, who, you know, if you're listening in here, you can do this, right? Make a plaque just says 22 and we can we can uh, give those away to our listeners or put them on a bumper sticker 22 22 seconds is the length of time it takes to say in our father i think you should say in our father at the beginning of every hour of your work that's a great practice 22 seconds all you do is you simply close your eyes and you say one our father you consecrate that hour to the glory of god there's 22 seconds that will change the course of how you approach your business it'll make you a great leader because it'll make you a great contemplative. And the more that we kneel in front of the mystery, the more that our hands will grasp the plow to make the difference. God bless you as you dare great things for Christ. Dare great things for Christ. Share your feedback with Father Nathan 
Send us an email at info at stjohninstitute.org. That's info at stjohninstitute.org. And don't forget to subscribe to premium video content to form, unite, and inspire you at Eagle Eye Pro on our website, eagleeyeministries.org. That's eagleeyeministries.org.